Well, we launch into a new week with a wonderful Bible question. It comes to us from Juliet in Canada. Dear Pastor John, hello. In John 21, 7, we read about a disciple whom Jesus loved. Can you tell me who this is? Who is this disciple whom Jesus loved? And why is he referenced like this? I assume Jesus loved all his disciples. Is there any takeaway for us in the love designation directed to this one disciple? I've always wondered about this, and I thought if I am ever going to ask, you would be the person to ask. Thank you, Juliet. Perhaps the first thing to observe is that whoever this disciple is, namely the one who is identified five times in this gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved, we know he was the one who wrote the gospel. In the last chapter, chapter 21, it says in verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, Hmm. that is, following Peter and Jesus. And then four verses later, it says, this disciple, namely the one who was following Peter, this disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, is the one who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, 21-24. So there is an explicit claim in the gospel that this particular disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, is the author of the gospel. Now, before we move toward an identification of who it is, let's just be clear that when the author calls himself five times the one whom Jesus loved, He's not saying that Jesus doesn't love the others. It's this very author who says in John eleven five 5 that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's this very author who says in John 13, 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, sometimes translated to the uttermost. That's all of them. And in John 15, 9, he quotes Jesus saying, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, plural, all of you, my disciples. And in 15, 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you, all of you. In other words, this writer is not trying to claim for himself the love of Jesus while excluding others from it. Something else is going on. I'll come back to that in a minute. But back to the question of who who is it? Who are we talking about? We know from the other Gospels that Peter, James, and John were the closest associates of Jesus. For example, uh, those three, Peter, James, and John, went up with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It appears from the way the Gospel This gospel presents uh, this unnamed disciple that he had quite a close relationship with Peter. For example, John 13, 23, at the Last Supper, it says, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him and asked Jesus, who he's talking about when he mentioned that there's going to be a betrayer. So the unnamed disciple is close at Jesus' side, and Peter has this exchange of communication with him. Mm -hmm. Then on the morning of the resurrection, 
Mary Magdalene runs to report what she has seen, and it says, So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and told them. So that's chapter 20, verse 2. So there they are, apparently, hanging out together, this unnamed disciple and Peter. Then the author of this gospel tells us in chapter 21, verse 2, that the sons of Zebedee, which would be James and John, we know from Matthew 4.21, go fishing with Peter and four other disciples. They're going to go fishing after the resurrection. And when Jesus called out from the shore to them, it says in verse 7, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And then finally, in chapter 21, verse 20, the disciple whom Jesus loved is seen following Peter and Jesus. So you have this repeated, close relationship between the disciple whom Jesus loved and Peter. And we know that Peter, James, and John had a very close relationship with each other and with Jesus. And we know that John, one of the sons of Zebedee, was on the boat fishing when a disciple is identified as the one whom Jesus loved was there. And we know that by the time this gospel was written, James had been killed. Acts chapter 12. Verse 2. So he's not an option for who this very close relationship with Peter was, who's called the one whom Jesus loved. That leaves us with the high probability that John, the apostle, is the disciple whom Jesus loved and is the author of this gospel. And the tradition outside the Bible has almost uniformly agreed with this uh, conclusion ever since the beginning. Which leads us back now to the question, why does this author, John, the apostle, call himself five times the disciple whom Jesus loved? And let me just give you three closing suggestions. First, it identifies the author as an eyewitness throughout the ministry of Jesus. He refers to himself in this oblique way at the Last Supper, at the cross, as he receives Jesus' mother into his family, at the empty tomb, and in the face-to-face contact with Jesus after the resurrection. He was there, and this gospel is his eyewitness account. Second, perhaps This is John's way of saying, my most important identity is not my name, but my being loved by Jesus, the Son Mm. of God. Mm. He's not trying to rob anybody else of this privilege. He is simply exulting in it. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. That's who I am. I'm loved by Jesus. And third, Perhaps he was speaking like the Apostle Paul when Paul said, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, 
but for him who for their sake died and was raised, 2 Corinthians 5.14. In other words, John would be saying, I identify myself as loved by Christ because this is the all-constraining, all-controlling reality in my life. This is why I am writing the gospel. This is why I minister, why I live. Christ's love for me controls me. Man, wow, yes. The marvel of being loved by the Savior. May that never be lost on us. Pastor John, thank you for answering it. Juliet, thank you for asking it. And if you have a Bible question you've always wanted to ask John Piper, do it. Message us through our homepage at desiringgod.org forward slash John. And we will do our best to answer it here on the podcast. Well, the Apostle Paul uses a startling phrase in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It's startling because he's talking about his own testimony of rejoicing in sorrow. And those two experiences run consecutively in his life. Sorrow and joy coexist in his experience at the same time. It's simply a truism of life that good things and bad things are always happening to us all the time, simultaneously in our lives. This is how it works, right? Well, John Piper is going to explain next time how this all works. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you back here on Wednesday.